Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 296 of our journey through God's Word, and that brings us to Joshua chapter 3. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for another day of life and another opportunity to be together in your Word. We pray that you'd write your Word in our hearts, that you would be our God and our Father, that you would be our teacher and our guide through your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's Lord's Day morning and our 296th day in God's word as we're drawing a little bit closer to the end of the year, but we're less than one-third of the way through God's word together. Let's dig into Joshua chapter 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about two thousand cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man, and when the soles of the feet of the priests, bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. <clears throat> so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped into the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its bank throughout the time of the harvest, the waters coming down from above stood up and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. 
and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. This is God's holy word in Joshua 3, the miraculous stopping of the waters of the Jordan. Sometimes we say the parting of the waters of the Jordan, that God parted the waters of the Jordan just as he parted the waters of the Red Sea. That's not quite right. The waters of the Red Sea, he did part so that when they went through, there was a wall of water on each side and dry ground in between. What he did with the Jordan River was miraculously stop up the water upstream at Adam so that it stood up in a heap there. Didn't flood the land, right? Didn't completely overwhelm the banks, but it stood up in a heap there and the people were able to walk through on dry land and it was stopped some some distance upstream to provide them with a nice wide area for them to cross over. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is central here because it represents the presence of God among his people. The Ark of the Covenant of God is not exactly the throne of God as much as the footstool of God on the earth. So the idea is God's throne is in heaven and his footstool was at the Ark because you would come to the feet of the sovereign for mercy. So the mercy seat is there where the cherubim overspread the top of the Ark of the Covenant, and that's where the blood of the atonement was offered on, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That's the picture, is that these, this is the footstool of, of God, is the Ark of the Covenant. It represents the touching point of heaven and earth where God's mercy and his righteousness meets with his people and where there'd be shed blood. And as such, the Ark of the Covenant is a picture for us of Christ. Christ is the meeting place of God and man. He is where the mercy of God and the righteousness of God meets the sin of God's people with the shed blood on the cross, making atonement for our sins. So the centrality of the ark throughout this phase of Israel's life, which it'll continue from here in Joshua, really through uh, the, the Solomonic temple when it's put in the middle of the Temple of Solomon, the, the Ark is going to be the centrally important uh, figure within the life of Israel because it represents the very presence of God. Now, remember what God had promised Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. My presence will go with you and I will give you peace. And so you need to be strong and courageous because of the presence of God. So that powerful reminder is there in the form of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, later God's people would learn that it's not the Ark itself that is God's you know, presence. It's a, a reminder. It's a symbol. It's a manifestation. It's God's sovereign choice to make that the meeting place because later they're going to presume upon God's grace and take the Ark into a battle against the Philistines when they don't have the blessing of God upon them and they haven't properly sought the Lord and the Ark is going to be captured and held by the Philistines for a time. So it's not like the, the Ark is some magical thing. There's been all sorts of wild, crazy speculations about it being some sort of alien technology and blah, 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 but the, it, it is not. It is made by God and it is symbolic in its representation in and of itself. It's not some magical um, thing that has powers in and of itself. It's because of the presence of God and only because of the presence of God that the ark is significant in the midst of God's people. So God is telling the people, keep your distance from the ark, let it go out in front of you because you don't know which way to go. And that's the idea that we follow the Lord. The Lord leads 
and we follow. The way we get leadership from the, from the Lord now is through his word, the Bible, and the inner conviction of the Holy Spirit through the word. And so we have the word and the spirit. But then they had the ark and the glory cloud and the word of God given through Joshua, the appointed leader. So they needed to keep their distance back from the ark so that they could know where they were supposed to go because they didn't know but God was leading them and showing them. And then when the ark gets to the edge, remember at the parting of the Red Sea, it was Moses' staff, right? Aaron's staff and Moses' staff. The, the raising of the staff was that symbol of authority. Well, now the ark takes on that symbolic significance. This is the rule of God in their midst. And so it's the ark that causes the waters of the Jordan to stand up. It's really the Lord working, but it's when the ark touches the feet of the priest carrying the ark touch the water that it gets stood up. So for us, there's several practical applications and then there's a beautiful picture of Christ. So for us, the practical applications, you know, the Lord leads, we follow. The Lord's holy presence is what is our strength and our confidence and how we can be strong and courageous. And then the beautiful picture of Christ is that he is the captain of of our salvation. He has gone before us as the pioneer of our salvation, the captain of our salvation. He's led the way. He's led the way through death into heaven, into eternal life, where he sits in his resurrection body at the right hand of God the Father. And as we follow him, we are led into eternal life that he has secured for us. And so this ark is thus a picture of Jesus for us, and we can praise God for our great captain of salvation. We don't need the Ark anymore. Some people are wondering, when is the Ark of the Covenant going to be discovered? And that's what launched the whole Indiana Jones franchise, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. We don't need the Ark of the Covenant anymore. We have something better. We have the fulfillment. We have Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, seated at the right hand of God the Father as an anchor for our souls and the one who has gone before us and the one who has opened up the way of salvation in himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for such a captain of our salvation, such the author and finisher of our faith, the, the purchase, the redemption, the representative, the lamb, the ark, the sacrifice, the high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the salvation we have in him. We pray that you would lead us and that we would follow and that we would trust with confidence in our great Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, that's Joshua chapter 3, and tomorrow we'll be looking at Joshua chapter 4. I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.